think I've already said give God praise like a hundred times. If you're new today, you might be thinking, well, what's that all about? We really love Jesus around here. I mean, that's really what it's about. I mean, I don't know what, uh, what, what other churches do, but around here, you know, there's a phrase, right? When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Around here, we praise God. I'm, I, I'm nothing without him. But the Bible's clear. I love that last song, man. I am a champion. I am a champion. Actually, the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. So before I even get to the word, this is a little pre-message for you. You are more than a conqueror. What's that mean? When uh, a boxer goes out and wins a match, he gets beat up, bruises everywhere, but he gets a pretty fat check, especially if it's like, you know, one of the big, big matches. When he goes home after that check, I mean, after that fight, he's all bruised. He's going to have to recover for several weeks, hurt, wounded, all those things. He hands that check over to his wife. And his wife, who's all pretty, dolled up and everything, she gets the check, she gets all the benefits, all the resources, didn't lift one finger, didn't put up one fight, didn't swing one punch. She is more than a conqueror. Can you say amen? What does that mean for you? Jesus fought your battles. Jesus died on the cross for you. He did everything he did so that you can live an abundant life. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came to bring you life and life more abundantly. You are more than a conqueror. Before we go to the word, just lift your hands and say that out loud. Say, I am more than a conqueror. Dear Heavenly Father, as we go to your word today, I thank you so much for making your word revelation light to us. Lord, that we leave this place different from the way we came in, that we gain an understanding of you, of who you are, and what you have for us like we've never received before. God, I thank you. Lord, let my words not just be mine, but yours. Anoint my lips, anoint my tongue, anoint my voice. Let it not fall on deaf ears, but on open hearts. God, we ask you all of this, receive it by faith, and in your son's name, in Jesus' name, everybody said? Go turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in the beginning today. In the beginning. Genesis is right after the table of contents. Just in case. I'm glad you thought that was funny. I'm glad. We've been talking about this belongs to me. We've been listing out, starting uh, with, with uh, the, the covenant of Abraham, being the seed of Abraham, being the blessing, you know, that we are... Um, uh, we have a covenant with God that includes the blessings of Abraham. We talked about that. We talked about how we're victorious and how God made us righteous. Now, he's the one that made us righteous. And we, we've, we've kind of outlined these things. And so I wanted to dive deeper into some things that belong to us. Since there are so many people, the first week I used this example. And so I'm going to bring it back and use it today. Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, if you were to divide your Bible there at the New Testament, you, you'd find a page that says that. It says the New Testament. But usually most printed Bibles will say the New Testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, I've ever seen that or read that. Well, a testament is a word that we would also use in another context. If someone passed away and they left an inheritance to their family, they would have a reading of the last will and glad y'all remember and or quick learners, man, all these new people, quick learners. 
Last will and testament. What does that mean? That Jesus left us instructions in his Bible that include for us things that belong to us. Say it belongs to me. What's in God's word belongs to you. Of course, there are conditional things. God outlines those for us. It's actually pretty clear. When you read God's word, it's pretty clear what belongs to us and how to receive it. How do we get it? How do we, how do we move in and walk in those things? And so I want to start covering a topic today that I, I haven't covered in depth in some time, and that is healing. And I'm talking about not just spiritual healing, not just uh, emotional healing. I, I do think it involves that, but I'm talking about divine healing of your physical body. I believe wholeheartedly that God was a healer, is a healer, and still is a healer today. I don't believe, the Bible is clear. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change like shifting shadows. I believe that he is a healer, that healing is for you. That healing, the Bible actually, uh, Jesus uses it as an example. He was talking to a, a woman who was not a Jew, and he told her, that, uh, that, that uh, why, why would he take children's bread and give it to her? Well, she was asking for healing. So he used that, that statement saying that healing was like the children's bread. What does that mean? It's nourishment. It's good for you. It's provided for you. It's something every, every family provides food and bread for their children. And healing is part of our, our, our we have a covenant with God. It includes healing. Now, why then are so many sick? That's the question, right? I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people want to believe Jesus is a healer, that God is a healer. They want to believe, okay, I got it. I, I, God is a healer. I believe it. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the early accounts we have of God declaring who he is, he actually uses the word. He says, I am your God who heals you. Or the King James says, I am the God that healeth thee. I think that we have, no, we have no problem with that. We're okay with, okay, God was a healer, or God can heal. And I think the vast majority of Christians would make those statements. But there is a difference between God can heal and God will heal you. And I, that's where I stand, is on the God wants you to walk in healing. God wants you to be healed. God does not want sickness and disease in your body And I don't know, I've got so many points and so many notes, I don't know if I can cover it all today, I'm going to try. So I hope you came ready to take some notes, I hope hope you came ready to receive from heaven, and I've already prayed twice, I'm going to ask just real simple again, God, enlighten us today to hear from you. Because a lot of times, this happened to me, if if you grew up in a church that maybe preached one of those other statements I said, I'm not hating on them. I'm just saying I believe differently from them, and I want to try to show you from God's word today. But I encourage you to be open-minded. Be open-minded. Actually, be open-hearted. I don't know if that's a word. But have an open heart. Have an open heart to hear and let God's word speak to you that God wants you to be healed. I want to go back to the beginning because I think one of the foremost things we need to understand is what was God's original intent with our bodies anyways? Why, why body? Why, why, why do we have a body anyways? What's the purpose of this earth suit? Why, why? Why did God design the system this way? Now, of course, we might not fully understand everything that God, under, uh, you know, that God thinks and God knows, but he's given us his word to help us understand 
in our capacity as much as we can understand. And in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Who is our? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Now, because it says our, it's a plural, it's, a, it's obviously telling us it's not just God one person. We know through the rest of Scripture, God's a three-part being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And because we're, we know he's a three-part being, when he says he, he'll make man in his image and likeness, it makes sense that we would be three-part beings. We know from 1 Thessalonians, it says, Beloved, I, I wish that your whole body, or your, um, that you be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord, your whole spirit, soul, and body. Say that with me. Say spirit. spirit. That's the real you. That's, the real, that's where God connects with you. Now say this. Say soul. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Then say body. That's your earth suit. That's, that's this, this thing that gets hurt. Anybody? Who's broken a bone in here? I, I, I broke a bone one time. One time. I'm not going to tell you the story because it may or may not have involved illegal activity. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't know if it was actually legal or not. But we were going to, to a place, uh, we, were, we were going to try to get into the, I'm going to tell you all the story so y'all know I'm a real guy. Is that okay? I'm going to give you all the abridged version. When I was in college, I went to Clemson University. And the thing was to, to try to get into the stadium. That's what everybody wants to do, go get in the stadium. Go walk around the stadium. So we go to go get in the stadium, and there's this wall up around the stadium in one area, and it was a newer place, and my friends went ahead of me, and he jumps up, and he goes around, and it's at a corner. So he jumps on one side of the corner and goes around. The other guy jumps up, he goes around. Well, I'm third. I jump up. I don't realize it's a 20-foot drop on the other side because on this, it was like a retaining wall. So my side, it, just, I, you just, you can, it was about this tall. You could just pull yourself up. When I pulled up, it startled me. I lost my balance and fell 20 foot and broke my, broke my uh, right ankle. Then they had to go get a ladder, bring me out. I'm sure the security guards, when they were watching the cameras, were just sitting back and laughing. What broke, though? What, what got hurt? My body. My body got hurt. What, what, what causes uh, these things to happen in us? It's, it's our body, but it's part of us. Our, our mind is as part, just as much a part of us as our, our body and our spirit is just as much a part of us as the other two. You are a three-part being. Let's finish reading this. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth. Everybody say all the earth. All the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 28. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over all the fish, to sea, fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, God only blessed the living things. If you go back and you read through the uh, the rest of this account of chapter one, 
God created things. He said everything was good. He had first day, said it was good. Second day, it's good. Third day. On the fifth day, though, he made fish and made birds. And what did he do? He blessed them. He waited until he made living things to bless them. But I want you to realize something. You and I are different than every other living thing on this planet. Do you you know why? Let me help you with why. Go ahead one chapter over to Genesis chapter 2. Because Adam and Eve were not like the birds. They they were not like the fish. You and I are not like fish. We are not like, I understand what some people might say. We are not monkeys. We are humans. And here's the difference between us and a monkey. Here's the difference between us and a fish. Here's the difference between us and every other living thing on this planet. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Literally came down to earth, picked up dirt from the ground, and formed us. Everything else God spoke into existence. Everything else God said, hey, let it be, and I want this to happen. Hey, let the waters produce the fish. He planted seeds and then allowed the seeds to multiply. He spoke to the ground and said, let uh, um, vegetation come forth. That's what he did. And the ground responded to God's word and grew. The fish multiplied. The birds began to fly. But he formed man by hand. I want it this way. And I want it. Why? Because he knew that if he's going to make something according to his image, I've got to be meticulous. But he didn't stop there. Then God took man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then man became a living being. Not not when God formed him. Do you understand? It was when God took his spirit and breathed it into man. That's when man became a living being. Now, anytime and almost every, I, I haven't found a theologian or a Bible scholar that would say any different. When, God, when, the, when God's word talks about breath or uses breath, it's usually referring to the Holy Spirit. And in this case, most Bible scholars are going to agree and believe this is talking about the spirit of God being breathed into man. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead was breathed into you. You are different than every other living being. You are not a fish of the sea. You are not a bird of the air. You are not just some random created being. You are created in the image and likeness of God, and you have the Spirit of God living inside you. God loves you so much. He, wanted, he said, listen, I've made some good stuff. And we're not going to get into the debate of whether it was six days and that was literally six days or, or some representation. I don't really, the, the Bible says six days. I'm just going to go with that. God's a quick worker. But on that last day, when he had made everything else and saw that it was good, he made something even better. It was you. And it included a body that was without sickness or disease. I want you to, to wrap your head around a couple of thoughts today before we move forward. God is not sick. We have no indication, no scripture, nothing that, entails, that tells us 
or, or teaches us or shows us that God has any representation of sickness in him, around him. He, he, you know, it's not like he says, hey, hey, Gabriel, come here. Listen, man, got the flu this week. Really tough. Uh, I'm going to sit this one out. Can you just watch over the earth for a little bit? I'm going to go lay down for a little bit. No, no nothing. God, God doesn't get sick. He is not sickness. He cannot have sickness. He did not create man then with sickness. He did not create man in, in to, to have sickness, to, to have any form. Our bodies were not made for that. Adam was full of, full of the life force of God. Life force. What was that life force? The spirit of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that was hovering over the earth in the beginning of time. Is the same spirit that was breathed into man. The same spirit lives in you today. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get a renewed spirit on the inside of you. Now, our bodies are what we're working on. I'm going to tell you why. Because when man took the fruit of the knowledge of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and ate of that fruit, he allowed sin into the world. Now, I could get into a lot of deep theological stuff here, but I'm going to give you the short version, okay? If you have questions about this, let me know. But long story short is this. He, Satan took God's words and deceived man. He took God's words and twisted them. He presented them to Eve, who then presented it to Adam. They took the fruit, they ate it. When they did it, it, it sin entered the world, sin entered man. And in Romans and in the New Testament, the Bible instructs us and tells us that because of sin, because of the sin, it created a divide between us and God. And therefore, Satan was allowed to uh, uh, manipulate and, and, and bring in things. See, you have to understand that if God doesn't have sickness, where does it come from? It comes from the devil. And from that point forward, from that point forward, things began to change. God told man, you're going to, your, net, your days are going to be numbered. Well, what was the first thing that entered? Death. Death, spiritual death, which separated man from God spiritual death, but then also physical death. It entered into the world. Well, how do many people die? How do many people, I mean, from, from, I mean, sure, accidents can happen, but sickness, disease, our bodies decay, they rot. They're made from dirt. We were formed from dirt. It's the life force in us, the spirit in us that lives forever. Now, I want you to understand this. God when he made us, did not intend for us to be sick. We have, again, we have no indication that in the, the period of time before Adam and Eve ate the fruit, that there was any sickness in the garden. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that all of their needs were met. Everything was supplied for them. They had perfect communion with God every day, all day. Can you say amen? amen. That's what they had. That's what was provided for them. You can take that verse down for just a second. What type of life did man have? It was different than every other being because man had a life force. He had the spirit of God inside of him. In Romans 8, 11, it says this. But if the spirit of him, Jesus, who raised Jesus from the dead, or sorry, if the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life 
to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I want to read that again. And if you're able to put, this is Romans 8, chapter 11. But if the spirit of God, what did, what did God breathe into man? His spirit. And if that spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Everybody say life. To your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who dwells in you. So what was God's original intent for creation? Was Adam sick before the fall of man? No. Before man sinned, there was no sickness. There was no sickness. So what was God's original intent for our bodies? For them to be perfect. For there to be a representation, an image and likeness of God. That our whole, whole being, God would not make, there, there's nothing else that God did where he made part of it and said, well, this is sort of that and then this is not. No, if God made something, it was good. If he made it a certain way, it's for a reason. If God made you a certain way, it's for a reason. And the reason that we get sick, the reason that we have disease is not because of God. Now, this is where we interject a dilemma in some of our theological debates, because a lot of people will say, okay, but God will teach us things. And uh, so-and-so got cancer so that God would know them better. And so-and-so got this sickness, so they would go to the hospital and they would witness to such and such. And, and they'll, they'll use sickness and disease as a method that God's using. I have a stark disagreement with that. And the reason I do is because I can't find in Scripture where God used sickness and disease on anyone that was a believer of God as someone who had the life force of the Spirit of God in them and used that to teach them a lesson. Used that to increase their life somehow. John 10.10 tells us very clear. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm going to just ask you a simple question. What does disease do? All of it. I, I, I often wondered, what can be worse? Why after steal and kill, why is there also destroy? Have you ever thought about that? After steal, kill, why is there also the word destroy? I mean, those two things pretty much sum it up. Steal and kill. Because once the devil can steal faith from you and kill anything in your life or kill you, He'll destroy your faith in those around you. Steal, kill, and destroy. But what does the rest of John chapter 10, verse 10 say? It says that I have come. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and may have it more abundantly. When I read John chapter 10, verse 10, I see the clearest picture of who the devil is and who God is. That the devil is bad and God is good. And that if I have something bad in my life, it comes from the devil. If I have something good in my life, it comes from God. The Bible tells us in other verses, let me back it up with some other scripture. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. That means that he can't give six to somebody else and then not give it to me. No, he doesn't have sickness. He doesn't have disease. He didn't make Adam and Eve sick. So therefore, he didn't make me sick. And I'm, I, I, if I seem a little hype about this, it's because it bothers me when I see people give God credit for what the devil's doing. 
It bothers me. It, 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 it just does something on the inside of me. It bothers me. I don't like it. I know that God's good. Well, you say, oh, well, well in the uh, Old Testament, well, you know, there was the uh, Egyptians and all those kinds of things. If you read that, well, listen, you can study the Hebrew. And there were several tenses of that. What most of those scriptures that I, if I, if I just took my study Bible, took the King James Strong's Concordance and studied out the original intent of those words, what it says is, is God did not allow, God did not permit any of those things to come. What, what was happening? The Egyptians were disobeying God. And because of their disobedience, he told them, if you disobey, these things are going to come. Then he provided a safe haven for his people. When the, when the Israelites left Egypt, the Bible says there was not a feeble one among them. Think about that. How many, how many Israelites were there? Does anybody know? Millions. 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 There are 700,000 people in greater Columbia. That's greater Columbia. That's, that's Elgin, Casey, West Columbia, Lexington, Southwest Columbia. That's, that's everywhere. 700,000. A good majority aren't believers. So if you took a small portion of, of the 700,000 and all those Christians took us all up and we all started walking to leave Columbia, how many of you think can, how many, how many of you think can get 100 yards out of their house without needing help? But the, the Israelites, God kept them, saved them, protected them. That's God's covenant with his people. And sickness and disease is not something that, 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 that God uses. It's something that the devil has. I don't have time to, to go into other stories. There might be some other ones that we can cover at another time. I want to keep going with this. God's original intent for man was to have a healthy body. So how does God feel about your body? How does God feel? What does God want for you then? I want to just give you several points. I'm not going to tell you how many I have because I might not get through all of them. But the first one is your body was redeemed along with your spirit and soul. The atonement of God. When, when Jesus died on the cross, we covered this last week, there was a redemption that happened. God redeemed us from our sins. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ because he died for us. When his blood was shed on the cross, which is so humbling to think about, that God would send his son to die for you. But the, the Bible tells us that it wasn't just our sins that were on the cross. If you look at, uh, uh, at 1 Peter 2.24, it says he personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree as an altar and offered himself on it that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isaiah 53.5 says the same thing, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we were healed. That word healed there is a Hebrew word, rapha. Rapha. That word means to cure, to cause to heal, like a physician, to repair thoroughly, and to make whole. You were healed at that moment. Which brings me to another point, that uh, Jesus took sickness and infirmities on his own body to destroy sickness and disease. 
Here's another one. God hates murder. How does God feel about your body? Well, why, why does he hate murder? Well, look at uh, uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. We were made in his image and God doesn't want us hurting our bodies. He wants us to protect our bodies. Number two, when, or this was number two, but now it's like number four. This is why I didn't want to give y'all numbers. I knew I was going to go out of order. This fourth point, Jesus, listen to this, this is so good. Jesus healed every person that came to him when he was on this earth. Now, why is this so important? Why do we need to understand who Jesus is, what he came to do? Look at Acts 10, 38. I love this scripture. In Acts 10, chapter 10, verse 38, this is right after Jesus uh, was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, went for 40 days, was, was tempted by the devil, withstood the devil, came out of there. The Bible says he came out of those 40 days of fasting and he was full of the spirit and power. What did he do? Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Everybody say good. And healing, say healing, all who were oppressed by who? Do you see it? I don't know how to make it any more clear. They were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now let me, let me just ask you some simple questions. For anyone in here that might have been taught that God used things. or uh, I have a lady that's involved with the venue, sweet lady, awesome. She, she helps me with the, the, this venue that we're in, and she's like the manager of the venue. She's awesome. And uh, uh, she told me that someone in her life passed away and that she had a pastor tell her that God had a purpose for killing her husband. She has not stepped in church since, has a, 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 a disproportionate relationship with God. I still sort of believes in God, but doesn't really serve him. Why? Because some pastor said, that God would use death. Now, if Jesus went around and did that, I would understand. If he went around and said, listen, I'm going to heal him and heal her, but you, you've got some stuff to work on, so I'm going to leave that there for a little bit. Come back to me next year. If he did, if he, if he, if he talked that way, if he said, listen, you're really healthy right now, but I need you to know me more, so I'm going to take this off of this person and give it to you. That, this may sound funny to you, but this is real stuff that people teach. He would have left Lazarus in the, de- in the grave. If God was with him, there's no way Jesus could be diametrically opposed to what God was doing. Does that make sense? In other words, if God wanted people to be sick and, and diseased, then Jesus would have been diametrically opposed to his father going around and healing What does it say? All who were sick, all who were oppressed, all who were held up in bondage by the devil. No, God wanted them healed. Let me prove it to you. Look at John. John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Philip asked Jesus a question. He asked him, how do, we, how do we know the Father? 
And Jesus said, have you been paying attention? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And before I get into talking about divine healing and and what does healing mean for me and how do I receive a healing or what does God's word say about healing, you've got to understand that you're not sick because God wants you sick. You're sick because sin entered the world and with it came a litany of problems for human beings that we face. The Bible says we fight the good fight of faith. You fight it. You fight against the devil. You fight, but how do we, let me give you some more scripture. What does the Bible say we fight with? We fight a spiritual battle. God fights our battles for us. So when you line yourself up with God and you line yourself up with the Holy Spirit and you allow that life force to work in you, it brings the life and healing that your body needs. There are scriptures, the Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord. I, I don't understand some things like a, a baby dying. I don't, I don't understand all that. I'll be honest, I don't. But the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. There's, there's, I, can't, I can't find any explanation for that. But what I can find is plenty of explanation that if that happened, it was the devil. And that God didn't need another flower in heaven to take someone's baby. He's got all the flowers in heaven. He can make all the flowers that he, want, that he wants. He, he, and, and, I, and I don't mean that to, to sound, you know, whatever. If you, if you, if you, you know, I've been to funerals where people said that, where, where, where pastors got up and said, oh, well, they needed another angel in heaven. No, God, the Bible actually says we're above the angels anyways. God, God, God no. God said, let me give you some, some, some support for this. God says he wants to give you long life. God wants to bless you on this earth. That by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. And I could go on and on. I, I, don't, I don't have answers for, for every little thing and every little scenario, but here's what I have. And in this word is what I base my life on. And I, I do, you know, people might ask, why do you believe the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible? Can I tell you why I believe the Bible? Because this is a question that we need to be able to answer. Why do you believe the Bible? You can take that verse down for just a moment. Why, why believe John 14, 9? Why believe all these verses? Why believe Acts 10, 38? I believe the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents that were written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses that take an account of supernatural events that fulfill specific prophecies and whose authors, the men who wrote these books, claim that their writings were divine and not human of origin. That's why I read the, that's why I believe the Bible. Because this is not just some, some random book. This is not some just orchestration of, 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 of different historical things. No, this, was an, this is an account. Uh, this is, God breathed these scriptures and gave them to you and I as a last will and testament that what's in this book belongs to me. And if it says that God created us for communion with him, then that's what I want. And if God created us perfect and to be, you know, when, when, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be what's called the millennial reign. Just wrap your head around this. 
So for a thousand years, Jesus is going to rule the earth. Satan will be bound up during that time. And I can show you scripture, scripture after scripture in the New Testament where we're shown that during the millennial reign, there'll be no sickness. All will be, all will be healed. The Bible actually says that healing will flow throughout the earth. Now, why, when the devil's bound up, is all of a sudden everybody's perfect? Because God's good and the devil's bad. And we, we have to fight against. We have to fight. I, uh, I, I had um, lower back pain. I started younger in my life. And I used to think, well, it's my fault. It's my fault. Because I, I rode dirt bikes. I did crazy stuff. I played rugby. Is anyone, just curious, has anyone ever played rugby in here? Have you really? Oh, yeah, you're from, what, what position did you play? I was a hooker. Not like that kind of hooker, y'all. Not that kind. Y'all, see, I see. That's the position, though. That's what it's called. And when, so I'm going to use the word hook because that's, that's the short term. When you're, when, you're, when you're a hook, and y'all might have seen this if you've ever seen a little bits of rugby, but there's this thing called the scrum. And the scrum is when five guys on one team and five guys on another team get down and they're all locked in together. And the hook is in the very middle. So I've got two guys behind me pushing against me, two guys locked beside me pushing this way. And then you ram into the other five guys doing the same thing. And then, and then the ref throws the ball in the middle and you fight for it with your feet. It's true story. Am, I, am I telling the truth? That's what it is. It's called a scrum. And uh, in other sports... When, when the ball goes out of bounds, you just throw it in and stuff. In rugby, they're like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we just have everybody just fight for it with their feet? Well, that, like, did, did a number on my back. I mean, really, I mean, you're, I, mean, you're the, I mean, hundreds of times, boom, you're just smashing. I mean, and you're in the middle of all this. These guys hitting you this way. These guys hitting me this way. And these guys pushing against me this way. And the whole time, you're literally, if you're, if you're the hook, you're, you're kind of floating. And you're the one with your feet. You're the best one to try to get the ball. That's why they call it a hook, because you're trying to hook the ball in. Man, I did a number on my back. And I used to think, well, it's, it's my fault. And so I never asked God to heal my back. Or when I did, I didn't really believe that I deserved it, which is why I covered what I covered last week, this whole topic, that God loves you so much that every blessing I've outlined in this group of messages, God has for you and has provided for you because he loves you. And that you didn't have to do anything to deserve it. There may be conditional factors for you to receive it, but you don't have to do anything to, 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 to earn it. That it's provided for you. It's available for you. Just like when you sign up for a job and you get a new job and they hire you on. And they say, hey, we're going to bring you on and you're going to have this position. And they give you a benefits package. And in that benefits package, you don't have to receive everything. You don't have to have dental care, but you could. You don't have to have, you know, the health care. If your spouse maybe has a better health care package at another job, it's optional. But, but you don't have to, to receive it. And, and the same thing applies with many facets of our Christianity. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, same thing. A lot of people uh, have, have heard teaching and thoughts about it, and so they, they, they are, they're opposed to it, not knowing that it's something that's a benefit to their life, that they need to have. And so it's much better than, than a benefit at your job because it's really something that you need, that God provided for you. Let me ask you, if God provided something for you, don't you think you need it? 
if God, if God gave us, why would he give us the Holy Spirit if we didn't need him? Why would he give us and provide for us? Why would his son take those stripes on his back? I mean, they destroyed his body, mutilated his body, never sinned, never did anything wrong, never. Why? Because the devil hates our bodies. How does God feel about our bodies? That was the question I asked. He loves your body. Let me tell you why. I'm going to give you two reasons and we'll wrap this up. Brother, Brother Andre, you can come as I finish. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, you are a member of Christ's body. So why does God love our bodies? Why, why does he want you to be healed? Because you're a member of Christ's body. Do you not know? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make themselves members of a harlot? And he goes on to explain that whole situation. But what he's saying is, is you're, you're a member of Christ, so don't, don't, don't situate yourself or connect yourself to things that aren't of God. Here's another one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a few chapters later, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, also in Christ. You were meant to glorify God with your body. Here's the final reason, for today at least. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple. In the Old Testament, when they began to build the temple, they called it the tabernacle at first. God was so meticulous. If you go through and you read these accounts in the first few books of the Bible, God was so meticulous, so careful. Man, you, you've got to put this this way, and this has got to be this certain size, and this room's got to be in this place, and that room's got to be behind that, and then the Holy of Holies is going to be here, and it's got to be this length, and it's got to be this height, and this width, and it's got to be this type of material. He was so meticulous because that's where the Holy Spirit his spirit was going to reside at the time. This was in the Old Testament. Before Jesus died for us, before the Holy Spirit was allowed to come and live inside of each one of, each one of us, if he was that meticulous about the temple, the tabernacle, don't you think he cares about your body? What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20? Flee! Sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 19. If you guys can help me put, put it up here for everybody to read along. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God lives inside of you and he wants your body to be whole. He wants your body to be well. Now, I'm going to go through over the next couple, you know, probably some Wednesday night, because this is in my heart. And, uh, and definitely next Sunday, I want to cover, you know, if you look at Jesus's ministry, the majority of those cases where people were healed, he said, daughter or whatever, he would say, hey, it's your faith that made you whole. 
So I don't want to leave this sermon today without letting you know two important things. Number one, I've already outlined through the whole sermon. God wants healing for you. And number two, you receive it by faith, which is what we're going to talk about from this point forward. But I don't think I could talk about that without debunking some thoughts that you might have had and helping educate you that God loves you. God cares about your body. God wants you to be healed. I encourage you, don't allow, don't allow the devil to wreck your life. I don't know how healing comes to you, but I know it comes from God. Does that make sense? I, I don't know whether it may come through a, a number of different scenarios. I, I, I know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. When I take it, if I have a headache, I try not to take an aspirin or an ibuprofen, but when I do, I say in Jesus' name, I thank you for your healing power. My faith is not in the ibuprofen. Does that make sense? My faith is in God. Now, I'm not opposed to medicine. I'm not one of those faith guys that's like, you know, weird about it. But, But my faith is not in that. My faith is in God. And I believe he doesn't need medicine. I'll say that. I'll just add that with it. I believe that he can, he can, he can divine. I've seen it. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen people go in uh, um, on crutches. And I've actually, after a service one time, this might seem strange if you've never heard anything like this, but I've seen it. I've seen God heal people in a service and I've cleaned up their, because I was on staff in a church in Family Worship Center Farms, cleaned up the crutches and the walkers after the service. People left him at the altar. I've seen it. So so I'm trying to teach you not just based on experience because our belief can't be based on experiences. Our belief is on the word of God. But when you have faith in God's word, the experiences come. And I, I pray my hope and desire is that we experience healing in this church. Physical, divine, physical healing in your bodies. That whatever has plagued you will plague you no more in the name of Jesus. That I come against it in the name of Jesus. That any sickness, any disease from the devil, it shall not stay in your body. It cannot be there. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I encourage you, just stand up on your feet right now. Stand up on your feet right now. While I'm having a little bit of an unorthodox ending to the service, we're just going to go a little off the cuff here. I want you, if you have some pain in your body, I want you to put your hands on that right now. And I want you just to, first of all, I want you to say what I just said. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. My body is his temple. I do not accept sickness or disease in my body. I command it to go in Jesus name. I take authority over the works of the devil. I speak against any sickness, any disease, and I command it to leave my body in Jesus' name. It is not welcome. I am healed by Jesus' stripes. I am healed. He died for me so that I don't have to be sick. He died for me so that I can be healed. I receive your healing. God, it comes from you. I ask you to pour your healing anointing oil from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Let it wash over my body. In Jesus' name. 